Hello, welcome to Solomon's Temple. In this episode, we're going to tackle the very basics of the archetypal 12, the 12 archetypes. What else do we see with the number 12? Well, you see my birthday, December 12th. But aside from that self note, we have 12 on the clock. We've got the 12 astrological signs, 12 months. There's other 12s, I'm sure, but you know, you, you see 12, and, you know, one, two. Very fundamental to life. The one and the two. Uh, the relationship and archetypes um, and of course we're going to throw out C.G. Jung because he's like the, the grandfather of describing the archetypes in his in his form of psychology and yet this is an, through an authority in which we, we get an explanation and we owe a debt of gratitude for the work obviously that he's done but it's we need to know that this has been permeated through time because this is who we are. And these archetypes have shown up in folklore and in mythology all throughout the thousands of years of civilization has been talking about itself. Now, archetypes are sort of your innate character qualities that can exist within you. All of them, all of the 12 archetypes exist within you. You personify them to the extent that you do and with the power that you do and to the frequency that you do. So you identify with them uh, insofar as you are interpreting yourself in time and your own personal spiritual story unfolds. As an archetype, some people claim that you're born like as a blank slate and things just kind of get pumped into you or whatever. But honestly, you're born with a framework of personhood and that's why people are, are different and other people personify different aspects and fates unfold and are conspired through the archetypal system and this can be directly related to uh, everything in astrology and everything going on within the archetypes of the tarot these recurrencies can be placed in different contexts uh, archetypes could be bound where they're not supposed to or they could exist within another realm where the archetype a different archetype dominates and this is where we find um, ourselves in different contexts. Um, it's different combinations of archetypes working the way they do. The reason why archetypes are important is because it helps us understand that yes, we're different, but yes, we all embody the same and we encounter each other time and time again. So I just put in some basic notes on what I've observed and what people have taught me and videos I've seen about the archetypes. These are personified in sort of a, in a saturated form and in a different way through fiction and what have you. But we can see them uh, interact in reality. And I think it's good to pay attention to um, the fact that we personify a role. And to take these uh, too far and too seriously, we see how they might manifest in real time. And so it takes a lot of intuition to kind of uncover it for ourselves. Some of these archetypes are like pre-personal. They exist before you uh, identify with them and then they're learned, and you become transformed through encountering archetypes uh, that are, in essence, yourself, but are strategically being placed uh, in a hidden form. It is outside. It's another person. It's transpersonal. And when you encounter it, you're encountering yourself, but you don't know it until you've become the other, or that you integrate your psyche and your pers personal unconscious uh, into a more of a collective conscious field of awareness. Um, and, and the unconscious... Uh, of, of the whole collectivity uh, as it corresponds with the personal particular, there are events that happen that kind of trigger your forgottenness and that which you repress. And you cannot reduce and analyze all the contents that can possibly be conscionable, but your intuition is what is expressed and is sort of generated within a, a symbol of yourself or almost as like an archetypal outburst. 
And some of these can't be explained, but there's recurring symbols that exist all throughout time, one of which would be the cross. But in some sense, there's a pre-organization to reality that people like to represent, and they uh, birth the unconscious, these deep archetypes that we all have, and are um, organized into stories or into culture. And these systems are supposed to function in a human way, and it's owed to millions and millions of years of development that have sort of, it has become a part of our, our uh, collective psyches. And uh, we encounter them time and again on our life's path. So I'll briefly go over um, all the archetypes and how I interpret them. So there's the caregiver role. Now this is to provide structure to the world in the form of service. The two astrological signs it corresponds with, in my opinion, is Cancer and Virgo. Virgo being of service, and Cancer being the crab of protection of blocking harmful elements out from the inside. Two examples of these are Samwise the Brave from The Lord of the Rings, of course, and he is steadfast at his service no matter what. And that's like uh, the epitome of uh, the caregiver role. He might not be the, uh, the most effective at warding off uh, danger, but he's the most effective at being a friend and providing the help and support and is receptive and is in love with the character that he's helping. So there's a very strong element of motherly love, no matter which gender it is. There's also a lack of a confidence or a, a victim complex that might exist, or might exist for a comic relief. Another one is Brock from Pokemon. Brock cared enough to show mercy to Ash when Pikachu attacked Onix. The only reason why Onix was defeated was because the electricity from uh, an overcharged Pikachu ended up knocking out some of the uh, uh, water system, and then the water made Onix vulnerable and then before anything happened where Onyx would have been, you know, blown away by Pikachu's Thunderbolt or whatever, since he had mercy on Pikachu earlier from binding Pikachu, he made the match fair, and then if Ash were to retaliate with another attack, that would have knocked him out and proved nothing. So he has a sense of mercy. And then later on, he lets Ash know, hey, I'm not into Pokemon training as much as you, I know that you can't beat the Onyx fair and square, but I'm just going to hand it to you anyway because you are thoroughly a Pokemon trainer and I'm more of a Pokemon breeder. And Brock's taking care of 10 kids when dad left and mom died. So Brock is the ultimate caretaker and uh, cares about Ash enough and goes along Ash's journey with him. So Brock gives him the badge, you know, forfeits that because he cares about Ash more than he cares about his own station, you know, as a... As a uh, uh, gym leader. So that's the uh, caregiver archetype. The ruler archetype is to provide structure into the world through control. The astrological signs associated with the ruler, in my opinion, is Leo, Aries, Scorpio, and Capricorn, a three of which has a Mars type of energy to it, ruling Aries, being exalted in Capricorn, and co-ruling in Scorpio. And then there's Leo. Leo is more about domain or influence, Aries more about a domination of the other. Scorpio is, this is what you control, this is what we control, or this is mine, this is yours, have, have not, and so forth. And then Capricorn is sort of, I'm at the top of the workplace, I'm the general manager, I control the workflow, I'm the CEO, so forth. It could be legal power, it could be just pure omnipotence, it could be status and resources. This archetype tends to make people out of touch, or disliked, or egotistical, an example of these is just anyone who has uh, command. I mean, this could just be father knows best, 
but more along the lines of um, someone who simply is more powerful than everyone in the area or has the say or has the button, has the influence, whatever. One character archetype is Tony Soprano. Uh, uh, Tony is insecure about his uh, frailties and about his vulnerabilities because he has to be the mob boss. And mobsters very, very masculine and dark and have, have control. There's a sort of self-confidence and a strength to go along with it. But the, the light side of it is that they're inspiring to lead people to a common good. It's also about responsibility and about mass control. It is a predominantly male energy, and that's probably why we've seen nothing but male presidents and a male-dominated civilization. There's the artist archetype, and they are to provide structure to the world through innovation. Now, creating new objects and building objects, this is all artifice. It's artificial, and the root is art, artifact, but also creativity as well, and there's the creative archetype. The signs that correspond with this, in my opinion, most are Gemini, Pisces, Virgo, and Sagittarius. They're curious about the underlying keys to how the world operates, both physically, psychologically, spiritually. They're very observant. They, f they find just about anything beautiful, and they could be tough on themselves. They have many tasks going at once or throughout their, their life, and they're doubtful, and they can think very relatively. Virgo being about beauty and then the details. Pisces being about that creative flow and that spark of inspiration. Sagittarius being about that understanding of the interplay and inspiration of ideas. Gemini being working out and getting creative and making connections among the world in order to express and, and make a statement about it. There's the archetype of the innocent. There is a yearn for a paradise or an ideal in the form of safety. And this corresponds with Cancer, Taurus, and Virgo, in my opinion. They tend to be optimistic because they haven't been marred yet. <laughs> they haven't existed enough through time to be just grossed out by everyone, I guess. And they're naive, uh, they have lots of hope. There's no responsibility, essentially, and there's a neglect for the part of life that you have to face the unwanted and the conflicting, but you cannot, you have to deal with those. They avoid certain dreads to retain beauty and to retain innocence. It also corresponds with uh, childhood trauma, and that's why many people are still struggling and are insecure and have to go to therapy these days because there's parts of them that are still infantile. They haven't grown out of their childhood uh, patterns. And also, it can make you think that the world is inherently dark because you are untouched and that if other people aren't untouched, then the world must be dark because I'm the, one, the only one that seems to be pure and full of light still. And childhood has that, and that's why you're so happy as a kid. And that's why it's so important to be in touch with your innocence and purity because you're not going to be an enlightened adult if you're just simply an adult. You have to bring some of the child with you. And I think that means overcoming the repress repressed um, neglect of dealing with the world and taking responsibility and ignoring the conflict and avoiding the things you have to do and working through that childhood trauma that you haven't worked through to be able to be both in the world and traumatic and be relieved of the trauma to traverse those things and be both adult and child is the importance of that archetype. Then there's the sage archetype, a yearning for paradise and an ideal through the mode of understanding. And the astrological signs that correspond with this are Sagittarius, Libra, and Taurus, in my opinion. You find truth. You help people along the way. You help them understand. You help people understand the collectivity and the personal awareness in which you're going through. Because you're all of them. You understand things completely. Sometimes uh, this character has fallen into misery or into mystery, both being related. Confusion. They're world-worn. Uh, typically they're represented as being older, 
but ultimately they could be just about any age. The traits are wisdom and knowledge, analytical, and they're trustworthy. The dark side of it is they don't engage with the problem, and they become unsympathetic or critical. Some of these people in popular fiction are Gandalf the Grey, Dumbledore, Yoda, and Rafiq from The Lion King, and Professor X. And there's the outlaw archetype. This is to leave a mark on the world in the form of liberation. The astrological signs that correspond with this archetype, I think, are Aquarius, Sagittarius, and Scorpio. Different figures that might resonate with this archetype more popularly would be Jupiter, Odin, Zeus, the Joker, the Archangel Michael, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King, and Han Solo. These people tend to see the flaws of tradition. They see the untrustworthiness and the falsities of authority. They don't think authorities are always truthful. And they see the power display as being gross more than it is justifiable. They know that things aren't quite as they appear. They tend to be more alone. They tend to disrupt things and are driven and persistent in anti-conformity. They lack power. They're not typically in a station of power. They're free spirits and they have a lot of anger. They're anti-heroes and they are usually doing good tasks that other people think are wrong, but in their eyes are right, like Robin Hood or Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller being more, I'm just gonna go outside of the bounds of the structure because I feel like it, you know? It's like, I just wanna be liberated into doing what I wanna do for once, and I'm going to trick people into doing it. And then Robin Hood is like, I'm gonna be a scoundrel, but I'm gonna do it for a good reason. And I know if people catch me, I'm gonna be in trouble, but I don't care. You know, steal from the rich, give to the poor. Then there's the archetype of the magician. And this is to leave a mark on the world through power. The astrological signs that correspond with this, I think are Gemini, Capricorn, Aries, and Sagittarius. They all have creative ideas. All are original modes of change that can be inspired by all men all the time. They want power over nature. They're tech they want technolo technological understanding. They want a telos for being and something to work towards and aim at. And there is a sort of divide between a sacred space and the profane. And as an onlooker, all our modern, all our modernity can be looked at as being sacred or profane. And uh, more aboriginal uh, and, and pre-modern peoples kind of view a lot of what we're doing as being more profane or that we can't locate the center of our being. There's an element to the magician of uh, trying to force an amount of change or to try to deal in with all our, our working parts by trying to just force a change and maybe things will be better forever. Then there's the hero archetype. And this is to leave your mark on the world through mastery. The astrological signs I picked out for this one were Aries, Scorpio, and Capricorn. It's an archetype that's becoming and it's hard to become. It involves trial. It involves fates, it involves a process, and it's usually done from being risen out of hopelessness or annihilation. It's to sort of test the outer limits of your own defeatedness to overcome, to examine the heights in which you climb. Nature, in a sense, loves you to be courageous, and there's a certain amount of blood giving in order to grow in that direction. It involves comforts, and it involves desires, or things you don't desire, and about a difficult metamorphosis. As you rise, your sights change. You live toward what you're supposed to be. It is overwhelming to, to perceive the top of the mountain when you're at the bottom. This archetype within us as the hero tends to also make us addicted to the self, make us feel more important than we actually are. Because there's always someone, everyone's viewed as an obstacle, I have to overcome everything. And you just put yourself first and you just start stomping on everything around you just to attain whatever you want. The next archetype is the lovers. And this is to connect with others 
through intimacy. The astrological signs I picked for this was Libra, Scorpio, Taurus, and Gemini. Libra being about harmony, Gemini being the lovers in the tarot, and about your other half, essentially, trying to connect those together through communication. Taurus being about marriage and connecting firmly for, like, for the rest of life. Stability, beauty, comfort. And Scorpio being, I would rather die than not have you around. You know, it's like, it's the ultimate intimacy. It's like, and it's also the uh, uh, death principle and, and life and death correspond with procreation. You know, you're giving life. That's the ultimate form of intimacy is becoming intimate that way to give life and procreate. And Scorpio is involved with the genitals. As a lover archetype, there is a deep-seated sense of connectedness, joy, purpose, and play. Jokes being passed around. The dark end of that could be a, being addicted to someone or being unable to perceive yourself. You could become obsessive. Things could become dramatic when they're tilted. You could never become satisfied, perhaps, or never be committed. And there's many different types of love that you live for. And if you didn't have them, life wouldn't be living. You, you would kind of gauge whether or not to commit suicide based on do you have all the types of love in your life? Because that's what really makes us connected and, and want to choose life over death. Then there's the jester archetype, and that's connecting with others through enjoyment. And I think this is probably one of the most important ones, in my opinion. The astrological signs corresponding with this, in my opinion, is Gemini, Leo, and Sagittarius. There is a certain impression that we are a separate individuality, and there's a kind of journeying to a place where I already am. And, and only to get someone else who views themselves as separate to see that is to sort of play tricks on them to get them to go where they already are instead of playing a trick on themselves because that's what's really happening all along. When the jester gets a hold of you, they try to make you see that you're just jesting yourself out of yourself. You're sort of playing a game with yourself. And the only way to surprise yourself into this truth is to do it spontaneously and it has to come from somewhere else. Someone else has to do it for you and this is typically just a comedian, a jokester, a clever Zen master, a teacher, or perhaps even an alter ego within your mind to just come up all of a sudden and go plop and just drop something on yourself. Where in this way, your thoughts that were underused and being repressed are now working through its shadow self and into your, uh, your conscience. And so polarity exists in an inflated sense of self. It involves your egoism and how you understand you, yourself and the other, us and the them. So the mystery of the self gets worked out in this way, and it can be dangerous, and it can be helpful. It can break down ego and hubris, and it can drive more for a balance when the shadow is integrated. There's a sort of immediacy of the effect if it is uptaken properly. It goes from individual collection and back, and there are lots of gaps between where we identify and, and how we feel ourselves in the gradation of being. And so, you know, there's like this infinite jest, in a sense. Then there's the everyman archetype, and this is to connect with others through belonging. The astrological signs that correspond with this are Libra, Aquarius, and Cancer. There is a sense of relatability, of meeting together in the center, and knowing for sure that everyone else around us is just like us too. Even though they appear to change, there is an everyman part of us that we know. And when these people show up, they make you recognize that, oh my gosh, they're just as baffled as you by this stuff. You know, there's an amount of truth that goes along with these people, like, okay, they're showing up in this way to tell me that, like, this is absurd, and I'm here to keep you grounded, like, you're not crazy, like, you get it, you know, we get it. 
And we all do, but I think a lot of us forget who we are, and then we become not like everyone. So it's more about uh, revealing uh, universals and how we're attached to everyone when individuals start breaking down. And it generates a sort of common respect uh, when differences start to present themselves, and it becomes known. The major attributes are acceptance, a fear of rejection, and a sort of gray area in which all land among the difference. So in this way, it could be a bit of a haven. And Jim Halpert from The Office is one of those characters. Whenever he looks at the camera, he's basically just on the couch with you watching it, is the impression. Then there's the creator archetype. And this is a structure for the world. And it's done through inspiration, through just manifestation of your own personal power. The astrological signs that seem to go along with this are Capricorn, Aquarius, Gemini, and Pisces. Now, we're all co-creators of reality, but the reason why I picked those is because Pisces is is just so deeply felt and understood and can see so many different realms that others can't feel. And Gemini being thinking all the thoughts and putting together all of reality in such a way that's most clever, that creates new, new and innovative outcomes. Aquarius being a future-oriented state of mind in order to express in any way a new convention that's unconventional but will become the new convention to collect all the archetypes together and sort of demonstrate and awaken a new world to create a new sense of being. And this is the age we're in. We could do this like crazy. It's all at our fingertips now. And then Capricorn being, there's got to be some element, a force of creating havoc as well and creating blind spots, Uh, but also just coming up with solutions also, like having physical praxis for certain things in order to make and ameliorate. There are realms of consciousness that are shown through representation and are in touch with experience. And there's an amount of sharing and building. And this could involve just simply new ways of utilizing tools, innovations in business, sharing your art, writing books, creating images, telling stories, enchanting people, teaching people, dancing, demonstrating things, almost in a form of hypnosis, just putting it out there and getting people into a new reality, involving ideas and language especially. It is the most awakening of the archetypes expressed. It shows your own creation to creation itself in your own way. Try to create a a unique fractal vision in the way you come on. This is your god-goddess mentality, and it can be the arbiter of collective flourishing, or self-rulership, or even a dark tyranny. And that's as far as I want to go with all the archetypes. This system of personal knowledge is a good, concise way of conceptualizing how things are and how they play out. And to know these, and to know that we can become whole in integrating our minds and developing them. To understand who you are, to understand which personal archetypes you embody, which part is dark, which part is light. To be able to access the other and understand that that's you and to come in contact with it. These are integrative systems for self and other that hopefully will function in a way that is of service to our well-being and our sense of wholeness and our union with opposites within us and without us. And to sort of wrap it all up, I'm going to spit out a quote from the man himself, C.G. Jung. As far as we can discern, the sole purpose of human existence is to kindle a light in the darkness of mere being. Thank you for joining me on this one. I'll see you next time.